Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm interviewing Leif Cox. Now, this is a powerful conversation about something pretty important, and that is saving our planet. Um, I've had people on in the past, you know, we talked to a marine biologist about sea turtles and the reason we should protect them. Um, we've talked to people who have companies that are help saving the Amazon, the rainforest. Leif is an amazing guy, spent decades in the conservation world where his main focus has been orangutans. And he is the founder of the Orangutan Project. He's a founder of the um, International Elephant Project and the International Tiger Project. So doing amazing things. We're going to talk to Leif about his beginnings growing up in Hong Kong in a metropolis, moving to Australia where he's lived uh, a good chunk of his life, working in zoos and moving past that into other conservation needs. Um, this is a, a powerful conversation, but it's also one that is certainly not sugar-coated. It is a, it's an impactful conversation, but it's, um, it, it's one that he, he just kind of lays things out there. He talks about uh, you know, his belief that we're in a, a really tough spot and we don't have a lot of time to, to fix these things. And uh, it's either that we do very soon or we, uh, we're just borrowing time from, from our, our future generations. So I, I, really, I guess I really enjoy speaking to him. It was eye-opening. Um, he's got a lot of really you know, impactful things to say. He's, he's definitely a, a very passionate person. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think that a lot of people and a lot of times, you know, when we, when we think about, you know, scary things or we think about things that we don't necessarily want to hear because it's a little uncomfortable, we try to find a way to, to sugarcoat it. And I feel like even in this conversation, sometimes I was, you know, asking the question like, oh, well, maybe this or maybe this and just to be like surely it's not that bad um oh you know obviously i knew that there's there's some really big issues but of course you're always trying to find the the silver lining if it's possible and and life was not uh he was not about that um you know he he told it exactly how he feels um he he feels very strongly about these things and uh and he he lays out a lot of really good points so i hope you listen and i hope you you learn a lot from it um the things that i really really enjoyed hearing about is just of course his passion behind orangutans he spent his life working with them um you know he feels very strongly about their intelligence he feels very strongly about them um being i guess kind of equal when it comes to also being living beings um but the thing that I uh, really resonated with me was I asked, you know, you have these three projects. What made you want to focus on these three animals? You're you're very big on orangutans. I think that's your main thing. But why did you focus on these three? And uh, I think you're going to really, really find what he says very, very interesting. You know, just kind of a, a brief look at it is that outside of these three animals, there's a lot of umbrella species that can be 
you know, brought along with it. So if you save the orangutans, you're going to save, you know, the ants and the squirrels and all these other things. Um, so pick one as your kind of your, your figurehead and everything else is going to be able to, to come along for the ride, which I think is really, really smart and really, really awesome. And, you know, that's kind of the point of this whole conversation. It's that, of course, we're looking at saving the orangutans, but if we do that, we're going to save the rainforest. And if we do that, we're going to save <laughs> the world and humanity as a whole. So that's, uh, that's kind of important, I would say. Uh, I, I think you're going to enjoy this, whether you're on the fence about exactly how dire the circumstances are or not. Um, I think you're going to, uh, to really find what he says powerful and impactful. It's really hard to, to listen to him and, and not feel that way. So here is Leif Cox. I'm here today with Leif Cox. Mr. Cox, how are you? Great. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me on your show. Yeah. Thanks for agreeing to join me. If you would, it's, it's kind of a tall task right out of the gate, but just introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm Leif Cox and um, I'm the founder of the Orangutan Project. Um, I also founded a few other or, or projects such as the International Elephant Project, International Tiger Project and, and Forest for People. So we, part of a holistic plan to save the rainforest, the orangutans and all the other biodiversity while helping the humans that live in the forest as well. Yeah, and I want to unpack a, a lot of that too, but I want to kind of just start at the beginning I, I've listened to you on some other other interviews. I know you were born, I believe, in, in Hong Kong, which is probably as far away from, you know, the middle of a, a jungle as possible. It's a major metropolis. So I just wonder what, uh, what got you from city life to something very different. What, what started this passion for, for conservation and I guess more namely with uh, orangutans? Well, I think it's probably a case of um, nature more than nurture in my case. So, as you said, um, being brought up in a, a major metropolis like um, Hong Kong is not the place you normally find conducive, I guess, to connection, love with nature and animals. But that certainly was my nature from the beginning. And so my, my bedroom was like a menagerie with terrapins and, you know, batteries and, you know, and all sorts of animals from a very early age. Um, so, yeah, I've always had an um, interest and, and, and a passion and connection um, with animal life. Um, and, yeah, why orangutans is I, I had the opportunity to start working with 15 of them and discovered that they're self-aware persons just as humans are persons. And they um, certainly didn't belong in captivity, nor do they deserve to be killed in the most horrific way and their species driven to extinction. And so that kind of started my lifelong journey to um, help orangutans, but also hopefully in that process, make the world a better place for everybody. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's powerful for sure. And I want to know kind of what made you go from, you know, that kid in, in your bedroom to where you're at because there's a lot of stops in the middle um i mean what was the goal when when you were a kid was it i mean i know you were a zookeeper at one time was that the goal mm -hmm. at that point or or what was you what were you thinking then i i'm sure you weren't thinking that you were going to do what you're doing now this is kind of a i'm sure you've you've outlived your wildest expectation i think it started off as that you know um i thought a life working with animals um would would be yeah a fantastic way to, to spend one's life. And, and, and then over time, that e evolved to um, um, working for animals. 
and then and then obviously having an opportunity to work with self-aware persons such as orangutans is to expand that mission um, more completely um, to help all living beings, um, humans, animals, future generations. So I guess there's an evolution from, I guess, following my essential nature of working um, with animals, but evolving that to working for a, um, a higher cause that were um, for, for living beings. I want you to tell us just again, it's a, it's another kind of tall task because you guys do so much, but kind of in a, a nutshell, what is the orangutan project? Mm-hmm. The, the, the final game plan is to save up to eight ecosystems of the right type, shape and size of rainforest. And all those things count. Just saving rainforest or trees just won't do it. You've got to put together functioning ecosystems. And these ecosystems need to be large enough in the right type, shape and size to have sustainable populations of orangutans to survive the extinction crisis. And combined with this is to take all the other biodiversity and megafauna with their own strategic plans, such as tigers and elephants, through the extinction crisis. In addition, we not only hope to leave these um, ecosystems as sustainable models for conservation for future generations, but sustainable economic models by working with the Indigenous community to develop agricultural systems under the rainforest canopy, where people can actually prosper and become um, wealthy and, and, and live better lives at the same time is protecting the, the, both the local and the global climate um, from imminent collapse. Yeah, and, and kind of researching before, because I, I obviously I didn't know a ton about orangutans. I, and I, I mean, my, my first thought was, I know you're in Australia. I didn't think they were in Australia. And of, and of course they're not. They're only on two islands uh in indonesia what is it sumatra and borneo so i wonder you're talking about kind of expanding their their habitat are you trying to expand beyond you know those those islands i think from from what i look you know that's that's all they've been that's the only place they've been for thousands of years so is that is that a goal or is it just simply expanding Mm -hmm. in those areas yeah, well, ancient orangutans used to exist all the way up into southern China and all the yeah. way down to the island of Java. But they've been slowly driven to extinction by the expanse of humans over time. And because they, like other intelligent species such as us, they adapt to the environment primarily through culture, not natural selection alone. Mm-hmm. And, and so they invest heavily into very few offspring. So this is why they're the slowest reproducing species in the world. For example, the smart orangutan only has their first baby at 15 and is nine years between individual infants. This unfortunately means very low levels of predation from super predators such as humans causes the population to spiral extinction. So like you said, in modern times, they really only exist on the two islands of Sumatra and Borneo. Unfortunately, um, over the last 20 years, there's been massive industrial scale destruction of the rainforest by large multinational corporations. And this has really left the tiger, the elephants, orangutans, and the indigenous communities basically held up in the last remaining patch of the forest, um, which have increasingly become unviable because rainforest creates its own rain, creates its own temperature, and you need, as I said, the right type, shape, and size for it to be ecologically sustainable. So in this next decade, we have the, the last opportunity to piece together 
um, this and secure and restore these last ecosystems before it's too late. After that, th there will certainly be orangutans and rainforest for some time afterwards, but both orangutans and rainforest will no longer be viable and those populations and those ecosystems will eventually collapse, which is, you know, which is obviously uh, has extremely significant importance because the destruction of the rainforest is one of the major drivers of climate change. And one of the few things we need to address immediately in order to um, restore stability to our climate. Yeah, those are that's that's all scary thoughts for for sure. And I want to kind of ask you because your your project does does kind of drive its mission towards making sure that we you know expand orangutan habitat and that they're able to you know live and thrive in the wild. Are you? I guess kind of, I don't want to say the word against, but are you, are you less, I guess, favorable towards zoo and, and, you know, rehabilitating the species through that way? The only reason I mm -hmm. ask is because, you know, I don't know exactly how important it is. It sounds important, but I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we have the international orangutan center here, which, you know, that's their whole mission too. But I don't know whether that's exactly on the same pathway as you, because it does seem like it's, it's it's without without zoos intervention is that correct yeah well it's one of those misnomers um zoos often present themselves as arcs of of animals that can survive the extinction crisis look in a very few cases and you know they said california condor prosky horse where limited captive breeding to reintroduce into the wild within a limited time span can actually make a real significant difference so zoos have have had some great examples of contributing to um, direct conservation. But by and large, and this was my last job in the zoo industry as a small population biologist, so this was kind of my profession. Mm. The large megafauna, such as orangutans, elephants and tigers, all the zoo population is unsustainable. Zoos can't save themselves with these megafauna. Neither learn to save them in a while. So... The, the, it may be difficult to save orangutans and these other megafauna in the wild, but it's, it's impossible in captivity. Mm. And, and so the other element, of course, is um, self-aware persons, such as elephants and orangutans, as two classic examples. We don't do well in captivity and we can't s thrive, you know, despite the best care. You know, um, you know it's it, it's not saying that the people looking after, for example, orangutans at the zoo aren't loving and caring and doing the best they can, just as people who look after refugees and refugee camps are the, some of the most wonderful people in the world. But what we know from uh, the human experience, and I also know from my studies with orangutans, that persons held long-term in captivity that can't control their future and who to, and whom and how often they interact have long-term psychological issues. Um, and therefore, there's both a welfare and and a, and a conservation need to focus and 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 save the last remaining habitat before it's too late. And unfortunately, except for very specific cases, zoos are not going to play a role in that. That's that's powerful too. And I want you to tell us a little bit more about orangutans. Of course, I think a lot of people know you know what they are, of course, but kind of talk about why they're. They're so important and why they, uh, you know, you, you've dedicated so much time to, to the species. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the fundamental reasons why they're important is because they're important in themselves. 
just as every human being um, is 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 worth a lifetime's mission to ensure that they can survive and and live a full and productive and happy life. It's the same with orangutans. So, um, of course, a lot of listeners might go, "Well, hold it, the orangutans are not human," but it, it's just a prejudice. I, I would argue that you know that for many listeners, there might be what well, it's not intuitively obvious that uh, a animal such as an orangutan deserves the same rights. But what we see is, you know, once we discover more and more, you know, uh, about the other beings that share our planet, the more and more we realize there isn't is is um, barrier. Does it make sense? of difference between us. In fact, for example, in orangutans, in their way, are far more superior in intelligence than humans. Animals only become intelligent in ways which suit their survival because it just doesn't make sense to put an effort in growing a large calorie, calorie-consuming brain if it doesn't make a difference to your survival because you, you probably go extinct. <laughs> you know, if all you're going to think about it, a nice philosophy and economics in the rainforest, you know, you're supporting a large brain um, for no reason and, and threatening your survival. So you, we find orangutans, as like all animals, they're intelligent in their own ways. Chimpanzees are more socially intelligent for us. And in some cases, in mathematical understanding, better than us. And orangutans have temporal spatial maths beyond our perception and com- comprehension. But of course, we're intelligent in our own ways. And of course, we always have that fatal flaw. And we do that culturally um, with even populations where intelligent tests have huge cultural bias. So kids, kids who are absolute geniuses and surviving ghettos, um, because that's uh, their cultural um, development has led them to become geniuses and surviving there, don't do well in IQ tests, but actually they're just as intelligent. Their intelligence just has developed in a different form. So similarly, we have that with orangutans. So it's just another way of, of realising um, how beautiful, self-aware and meaningful it, um, orangutans are and, and deserving of uh, our care and love. But one of the last things I want to mention about orangutans, what I've discovered is that they're a more noble form of humanity. Us, like our warlike chimpanzee cousins, our closest relatives, are capable of so much compassion and empathy, but so much war and destruction, hatred uh, and, and xenophobia. Orangutans don't seem to have that. Although we killed over a million of them and 100,000 in the last 10 years, and they're up to seven times stronger than a man, and the males have canines the same size as a tiger, there's not one case of a orangutan ever killing a human in a zoo, a sanctuary, or in the wild. I mean, there's a ton that can be unpacked there. I want to kind of just, I don't necessarily want to say play devil's advocate, but I want to just, mm-hmm. I want to, I guess, ask you, because there's going to be people listening that, you know, unfortunately, in the way of the world now, it really is kind of just a more why should I care and how is it helping me? So I always get to that. I always get to that question. You know, I've talked to somebody, a, a marine biologist who is saving sea turtles, and she talked about how, you know, they eat jellyfish. And if you want to ever be able to go to the beach and be able not to be stung by 10 jellyfish, there's a reason why we should care about sea turtles. People in the Amazon rainforest in South America, if we want to be able to breathe clean oxygen. It's important for that. Is there, a, is there something with orangutans, I guess, more why, why people should care? Of course they should care because every living being matters, but is there something they're beneficially doing for that person sitting in Omaha, Nebraska, or Perth, Australia? Yeah, no. And the, the, bigger, the bigger philosophical issue 
is, you know, for centuries, we've been able to exploit other ecosystems, other animals and other people and other nations for our wealth and benefit. And the roosters never come home to roost. Um, they're coming home to roost in, in this century. And, and so the destruction of the Amazon, destruction of the Indonesian rainforest is affecting climate change, which then causes, you know, bigger storms, more droughts, more floods in America. And so the, the idea that we could suddenly ignore a large part of our planet population and others, and we are not going to be affected, that, that, that's, that's well over now. Um, and so, so unless we include compassion and love and concern for all other living creatures, we, we are not going to have a happy place to live. And the lowest hanging fruit for climate change is saving the rainforest. Um, we have to obviously um, change our agriculture, especially our um, uh, animal agriculture, significantly for the plants to survive. We have to reduce carbon as an urgency. But those two things alone are not going to save the planet. We also have to restore and rewild a significant part of our planet. And rainforest is the most significant ecosystems that we, we can tackle first. And so it's with everyone's personal self-interest um that the orangutans rainforest survives and, and and therefore the orangutans so there's no longer the um the, the world's no longer going to allow us to selflessly keep going and have cognitive dissonance and blind spots for for the the, the um, pain we cause others um it, it's, it's now the time that we have to expand our love and concern um beyond our natural borders that our tribal minds will limits us to Republicans versus Democrats or state versus state or country versus country or species versus species. Um, those things have to disappear um, if we are going to survive because ultimately what we're discovering now that we're, we're all interconnected and our fates intertwined. With saying all that, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of at a, a breaking point. And I've heard that from from a lot of people, you know, in the conservation field. And, you know, I, I have a, a firm belief that I think humanity can do what they set their mind to. It's just a matter of if that's going to happen. And obviously that's, that's your life mission. So if you weren't, uh, I guess, at least op a little bit optimistic, you wouldn't get up every day and do what you're doing, but how truly optimistic are you that we're going to, I guess, right the ship and, and, and do what we need to do? Yeah, no, we, we don't know. And this is the most important decade in whole human history. Mm. So we've been around pretty much in this form for 200,000 years. And if you lived in any time and place, yeah, what does it matter what you do? Uh, it matters now. But more significantly than that, the vast majority of the population of the planet are too poor, impoverished, badly educated, or living in totalitarian regimes. So they have no power to make a significant change. So we um, in, 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 you know, liberal Western democracies, you know, have the unique position in this most important decade to make those significant changes, um, which, which no others have. And so we both have the right and the privilege um, to make it now. So it, I, I would say it's still uncertain. I certainly think we can do it. And of course, with every, with every action, for example, you know, the, the, the more the focus on climate change and sustainability, renewable energy, there's always naturally is, there's, a, there's a reactionary force, you know. Um, and just as, you know, Europe just before World War II started falling to fascist regimes, 
you know, um, you know, so it could go that way. And you, you, you see that um, that um, totalitarian kind of um, move in a lot of part of the world or could very well fall the other way um, where, you know, we have a more freer, more democratic society um, and, and one those that um, can see that the future of our children um, depend on us having a, 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 um, a way of, of managing and living globally in a way which is harmony with nature. And, you, you know, the environmentalism movement and saving the planet, this is not um, economic suicide. You can't um, have a good economy from a dead planet, you know. Um, what we have now is, in a sense, is um, unsustainable economics, which is about exploitation, passing the true cost of production onto the powerless, powerless being other people in other countries, other species. But the most powerful, powerless in this are future generations. We're borrowing into the, our future generations. What we want to develop is sustainable economies. And the wonderful thing is, is sustainable economy doesn't mean being impoverished you know, and, and, and living bad lives. It's living fantastic lives of, you know, of high technology, of, of, of prosperity. Um, we just got to just um, shift our mindset um, from a model of exploitation um, to a, a, a model of, of um, true economic productivity. But the future is wonderful. If we can have it, it's not a future of impoverishment. Um, it, it, it's a future of affluence if we allow it to happen. Yeah, we're talking about shifting that mindset. This is a kind of a softball question for sure, but because I, I know the answer, but you know, our, our mindset in, in the world a lot of times is to be very reactive instead of proactive. Is that a sustainable model just to just to react when things do finally go bad rather than be proactive now? Yeah, no, it, 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 exactly. Because we find it very hard because in our tribal brain, which is how we've evolved over the centuries, we're very good with short term problems and dealing with external problems. And so I heard, for example, if climate change was caused by the North Koreans, we'd have solved it immediately. <laughs> you know, it's a very short-term problem with, this, with, it, with an identifiable enemy. Um, but when we're very much part of the problem and it's, and it's long-term and, 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 it's, you know, and it's not clear, our brains are not really set up for that. So it, it's, it's, not, it's not a criticism of people who react against, um, you know, uh, movements to save the planet. It's, it's how our natural our brain works, you know. Um, so the tribal mind was very good for, for surviving as, as a tribal community. And once we collectivize into, you know, kingdoms and, and nations, it was very good at enriching some nations at the expense of others. Um, unfortunately, that same thinking is, is, is really, in fact, the, our most disadvantage in moving forward. And so this is why um, both on the macro level and on the, on the immediate level of running um, non-government organisations and charities, I will say we can't reform the world unless we reform ourselves um, because that is also part of the equation to make necessary changes. Yeah, and I want to. We're talking about changes that need to be made. I want to ask exactly the the changes that you're that you're helping with, and and talk a little bit about exactly what your project is doing to 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 try to help with this, you know, this crisis. Really. Mm -hmm. Well, 
as I said, we see our role saving these ecosystems before right. it's too late. And so we use the science to determine what rainforest to try to lease, purchase, um, change the land use status, because you need the lowland river rainforests for the ecosystems to survive. And they're the first to be logged or converted to unstable monocultures such as palm oil. So we have to deal with it in an intelligent way. Um, because indiscriminate charity causes more problems than it solves. So we have to intelligently apply love and compassion. Um, yeah, and, and so then we, for example, you know, um, reintroducing orangutans, protecting orangutans, um, working with the local communities to develop, for example, shade coffee and shade cocoa, vanilla production under the rainforest canopy. But most of all, th there's no particular formula because as we will say is um, for every complex problem in the world, there's a simple solution, which is absolutely wrong. Um, we love simple solutions. We love a simple external solution. If you have a simple external problem that you can all address and, and the mind loves it, clacks onto it. But what we do is intelligently look at each ecosystem, diagnose the disease, and then apply the cure in the right dosage. For example, wildlife protection units, for example, reforestation, um, changing land use um, categories from uh, unprotected to protected, um, reintroducing orangutans, managing the elephant and tiger population, um, educating school children, supplying a midwife to stop the um, the horrific um, deaths of, of um, infants you know, in, in the first couple of months. All that interconnects it, 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 it into a holistic way to ensure these ecosystems will survive. And you, you know, you, you, we focus on the orangutans and I know that you have projects just like you mentioned with, with tigers and elephants too. Is, is the focus on, on this because it's of, of greatest concern? Is it the area that you've just dedicated more time to, or why is, is this the one that I guess that you, that you highlight the most? Yeah. From the philosophical perspective, I would say that orangutans may be the center of my love, but not the boundary of it. Mm. And uh, the, the goal always was orangutans were going to be an umbrella species to save the rainforest and all the biodiversity and other animals and the indigenous communities. The umbrella concept is basically means if you have a big enough umbrella, you don't have to start little projects, heavy lizards and squirrel and ants. They'll come on for the free ride under the umbrella orangutan conservation. But what we found that, that there was in sense three species falling outside the umbrella. Tigers, which had criminal syndicates coming in to poach them, elephants which were being displaced in, in fragmented herds and were killing people and people killing them, trying to survive in the last remaining rainforest, and the indigenous communities having the vast majority of the ancestral land robbed by the large multinationals, their children were starving and being malnourished and weren't getting education. So we started additional projects, the International Tiger Project, International Elephant Project and Forest for People, to bring all the individual beings under the umbrella of conservation and truly make it holistic because we don't believe you can leave one piece out of that jigsaw puzzle and, and, and for that um, big picture to survive. We all must come along for, for on a journey to prosperity and survival or if we leave one behind, the whole situation will collapse. So if people are listening to this, they, they, you know, they're, they're taking what you're saying and they're, 
very concerned. What, what, what can they do to, to help from, again, we're going to, we're going to pick on Omaha, Nebraska. What can someone do sitting in, at their house in the middle of the cornfields, Omaha, Nebraska? Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, first thing is you as an individual can't really do much because as individuals, we can't achieve anything. And as an individual, we've really never achieved anything. Even back in, the, in our tribal past to today, we only achieve things through collectivization, mm. you know. Um, and so that's, that's the power of humanity. Our ability to collectivize has meant that, you know, we've become the most dominant species in the world. And we must use that power of collectivization to now to make the meaningful change to save the planet in time. So I say, you, you know, we're all, for, for example, vicariously living a slightly better standard of living because of the exploitation of others, stealing from future generations and stealing from, you know, indigenous communities in Indonesia, as just two examples. So why not give a small amount of that back to make a meaningful change, you know, in the world that that you want to create? And, of course, we benefit personally from that. To give and to show compassion and love not only benefits the people that we're giving to, it benefits us. It makes us happy and healthier. There's no downside to this. And then, of course, there's some people maybe listening saying, well, gee, you know, I don't have much money, you know. Um, but there's people who often don't have money are normally in a, in a second category. They may have time and they can collectivize um, their friends and family and do fundraisers or events and raise money for a charity and, again, make that meaningful um, difference in the world through that way. In, in that way, we both only not only can make real change in the world, uh, we actually enrich our lives together uh, and give meaning to our lives um, and, and make a real genuine impact to the future of this planet. So wh- where can people find, I, I guess, your projects if they're wanting to look more into to what you're doing? I don't know whether it's something that you you yourself raise money for, but how can people, how can people find you further? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you can go to um, theorangutanproject.org and you can see our websites and you can link. If you go to Leif Cox, or one word, L-E-I-F-C-O-C-K-S.org and you get linked to all my project papers and books and, um, and videos and so learn more about it. And, you know, we have chapters all around the world. We have a 5013C charity in the U.S., uh, we have in Canada, in Europe, um, Australia, New Zealand. And so wherever people are, um, they can um, give tax deductible donations to, to make that meaningful change. And the most important thing is, is, is I mentioned before that this the saying indiscriminate charity causes more problems than it solves, is just to make sure if you are giving to a charity, make sure that charity is measuring the outcomes and making a meaningful change you want to make because um, it's your hard-earned money, you know, and, and not only we need the love and compassion to make that change for others, um, we have to have the intellect to make sure that it's going to be effective. It's two wings of the bird, love and compassion and the intellect and understanding, and that way we will make the meaningful change. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, it, it's been wonderful. Thank you very much. So that was Leif Cox. What an honor and a pleasure to speak with him. Really appreciate his time. Like I said in the beginning, it's, it's something that is uncomfortable to talk about, but it's something important to talk about. You know, if, if you listen to this and you, you, know, you feel moved, I certainly uh, urge you to, to go check out 
ways that you can help, whether it's your time, your talents, or your treasures. Um, there's there's a lot of good places out there. He did briefly mention, and I think it's important to say, too, that you know, not all charities are created equal. Do your research. Make sure that if you are putting uh, any of your hard-earned money up with the charity, that it's going where you're wanting it to go and that it's it's impacting the things you want it to impact. So urge you to, uh, to do that research, or whether it's about this topic or, or any other. If you do want to follow along with Leif or uh, check out his books, we didn't even really get to that. He's got so many other amazing things to talk about. Uh, if you want to check out his books, you do want to check out his projects between the International Elephant Project, the International Tiger Project, or the Orangutan Project. Uh, I will put uh, the links to all three of those websites and a link to his personal website in the show notes. Urge you to check those out. Do uh, do anything that uh, you know you you do feel moved to do when it comes to uh, checking out his books, donating, just making yourself more knowledgeable about the topic. So in the future, you know you can uh, you can help if possible. So I, uh, I I really appreciated his time. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I I understand even in even in editing this that it's a uncomfortable conversation and one that doesn't make you feel super great, but. Like I said, I, I am very much somebody who thinks that if we set our mind to something, um, you know, we can we can always achieve what we set our minds to. Uh, collectively, he talked so much about that. So, I uh, we'll we'll just you know the the verdict is still out on this one. So I uh, I have high hopes and and uh, I'm excited for the future. Um, I, I do think that uh, we have that capability. So, thanks for being here. Thanks for. Uh, you know, listening this week and in prior weeks, if, if you're a longtime listener, um, if you haven't already, go follow us on Instagram, not enough podcast, jacksonf.com, uh, not enough with jacksonf on Facebook. Leave that five star review on Apple and on Spotify. Appreciate that very much. Leave a written review on Apple, even more amazing. Uh, but if you do nothing else, catch us next week. Another amazing guest. So take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.